All right, it's time for an off-day pod with a special guest where we could talk about Hawks rumors and some things going down with the team. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am your host, Tim Ogles, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky, where we talk everything Hawks. Let's go. All right, here we go with a uh, special guest pod. We have Jack Tresh from Hawksology. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. And Mikey, like you guys, uh, this is going to be lots of fun. I'm, I'm really glad you guys are having me on and uh, very appreciative. So thank you, guys. Yeah, for sure. I, I know you like to go into a lot of uh, X's and O's, uh, really analyze basketball from, from a, from a diff- different perspective than a lot of those uh, podcasts and, and, and other content forms of Hawks content out there. So look, looking forward to it for sure. All right, Jack. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into it a little bit. All right. So what is your overall thoughts on this season? Uh, we know that you look at the X's and O's and you uh, do a very, very well job of breaking down film. So what have you seen so far this season that's given you some optimism and also some a little bit of worry? Well, I, we'll, we'll start off on a positive note. I like that. Um is just the implementation of Quinn Snyder's system fully. Um, the amount of different ways that they're able to get trained to the pick and roll. Obviously, when Jalen got hurt, that whole thing got messed up because they didn't have that kind of short roll guy. Sadiq, that's not his game at all. Um, but, you know, just the way, you know, that they create uh, opportunities for Trey and DeJounte to initiate the offense from flare screens, which we've never seen that before with Lloyd or Nate. Um, different kind of dribble a- entries, lots of pistol action, um, and it just kind of the reimmersion of the Spain pick and roll. And yeah, that's a lot of like very um, technical terms, but it's, it's, stuff that you just never saw uh, with Nate or, or Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. It, this season, for sure. The offense has been fun to watch for, from the majority of the season, for sure. And Trey and Jalen, while those guys really are the only two people to put pressure on the rim consistently, uh, consistently, you see, you see the value of having two guys that can do that with the athleticism that Jalen possesses. You saw it in the magic game last night. Anytime that Jalen got the ball, in the short roll, whether it was from the pocket or just at the nail uh, from a simple pass, you saw him, you, you know, dunking on Goga Bitadze or dumping it off to Clint Capella for, you know, he had at least six early, six easy points there in the first half uh, from Jalen making the right decision on that roll. So kind of implementing a lot of those, a lot of those different things has been huge for the Hawks on offense. 
Yeah, I, I think offensively, like I think the Hawks have things that could definitely work. But one thing that I want to see is the starting unit get more minutes with Nyeka Kongu. I, I think a lot of Hawks fans definitely, um, what I'm seeing on the timeline are, are talking about Clint Capella being in the lane a, a lot when guys like Jalen Johnson, DeJounte Murray, Sadiq Bay, and Trey Young are trying to get to the rim. Um, Jack, can you tell me what kind of implication that has to the offense where, um, you know, it's hurting the Hawks having Clint in compared to like a guy like Anyeka? Yeah, it's just the speed that Anyeka has um, and how willing he is to space the floor. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, go stand in the corner and shoot, but even just like, coming in slower is he is that pace that they uh that they play at uh when they're kind of running tray off like you know one of those flare screens to get into that quick pick and roll game is that clint just tends to um get ready to you know he he just immediately rolls that's the only option he has so um and even if he rolls he's gonna stay there because he's waiting for the offensive rebound or the lob and um yeah. yeah, do you think that's because um, Anyeka can shoot the ball a little bit better, say like a mid-range shot like from the nail or, or somewhere like that? It's it's that, yeah, but it's it's also that Anyeka has to be more strategic with how he is getting into the paint. He, he doesn't have the physical size to bulldoze like Clint Capella can. Um, and... Believe it or not, that actually gets Onyeka better shot looks when he's getting the ball fed as Trey or Jalen are driving, uh, where a lot of times Clint, though he'll bulldoze his way in, his defender is still in front of him. That's why you see a lot of those like kind of little hook shots um, and awkward layups is Onyeka has kind of the more finesse um, that he's got to take. So he's much more aware of his speed and the timing of everything to be able to get good shots off there. And it, it last night it looked so like it, it was so evident just the pace of the play with Anyeka in. Yeah. You saw Quinn Snyder closing with Anyeka and Clint Capella wasn't in the lineup. We've seen a couple of times Quinn's closed with the big lineup, but that, but that was, you know, with Clint playing at the five, uh, it was the first time in a while that, Onyeka Kongu closed the game at center by himself. And I think in a large part, that, that was just due to the, the pace of the game. The magic last night, uh, but really both teams struggled in half-court offense. The Hawks turned it over 23 times. Uh, the magic didn't have an offensive flow down the stretch, as, as we've seen in every single matchup with them this season so far. So if you have a Kongu there who's a little bit more versatile, uh, can push the pace a little bit, uh, more nimble than a guy like Clint Capella, that's going to bode well for the Hawks. Yeah. It also, it's like slipping screens works so much better with a Kongu just because of his speed to quickly get to the rim. Um, the A lot of the second half was just running like the kind of staggered, the 77s and either Jalen slipping or uh, or fading and, or, and, or Nyeka staying there. Um, or slipping, and that, that's where they found the most success with Anyeka slipping because he would kind of just go right by Pitadze, um, who would kind of be in that deadly in-between of a 
you know, trade, pick and roll. Yeah. Yeah. And um, something I wanted to ask you about, too, is, you know, we'll, we'll go to the negative side of things. Uh, we, we, we got a little positive there. Um, defensively for the Hawks uh, has been a struggle. Um, they're in the bottom five in the league in defense. Uh, it's not. Um, I mean, it's pretty evident that the Hawks uh, lack size, um, definitely defensively. Uh, they have a hard time keeping their guys in front of them. Um, they give up way too many backdoor cuts. Um, the One of the main guys that we have talked about, uh, you know, being a key missing piece as of right now is DeAndre Hunter on the defensive end. Um, what kind of impact ha- has his absence had for the Hawks? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Wow. Is it's clear like I I I completely blank there. Um it's it's just so like clear that we lack that perimeter defender, that guy that can stop a a sizable wing like a Tatum or a um we haven't played the Mavericks yet, so Luca is also not a wing technically but you, just someone Julius, of that size Julius Randall Brandon Ingram that, Julius that Randall Brandon Ingram yeah um they, uh, uh, thank you Mikey I couldn't think of any of those <laughs> names but but that's the that's the player I'm talking about with that we that Dre is the only guy who we can throw out there on them um and yes yeah, is, is he like obviously Jalen too but we need someone that or the Hawks need someone that is both like we can't just have one guy out there that's able to do that yeah. is because if when I say that, that means, first of all, stopping a guy uh, like Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle, um, one of those bigger wings out on the perimeter. But then also it, when they run that on ball screening action with the that wing handling the ball is someone to come in from like the weak side and help and play that in between of protecting the rim and stopping the pass to the corner. Yeah. And I think DeAndre Hunter, especially the weak side has helped as far as his organization and, and, and communication. He's, he's probably the best defender on the team uh, in terms of doing that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, we man. haven't got, we have a guy coming in. Uh, well, we're we're heading to Miami to place a guy, and uh, Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I think Jalen Johnson is going to be tasked with guarding Jimmy, and I wonder if, if like a guy like Sadiq Bay, like I, I know I, I have been on a, a few uh, rampant, uh, you know, attacks on Sadiq Bay defensively, but I will say that. It, it looks like he's improving a little bit. Like you can't ask him to be a, a really primary defender uh, on the perimeter, but I think that he's improved a little bit. But like his just lack of um, speed is one of those things. His lateral quickness is just not quick enough to stay in front of someone. And his lack of awareness to backdoor cuts, like it, guys like Caleb Martin, they're gonna have a field day with Sadiq Bay. It's, it's like, uh, it's gonna going. be definitely tricky for the Hawks without 
two of those guys just because of also how much uh, not only Jimmy, but Bam, too, is initiating the offense. Because that means our back line, the, the Hawks back line is going to be like massively compromised with Clint being stretched out of paint to stop Bam from, you know, taking the mid-rangers or coming off a dribble handoff. Tyler Hero's floater is another thing that the bigs have to be careful with. Um, he's come back from that. Uh, well, it was a foot injury, I think, right? Yep. Um, and I, he is he is a guy that can light up the Hawks. And it's really not, it's not the threes that he is particularly killing with us. It's his floater. Um, Just him and Bam running quick dribble handoffs. Um, And with the amount of, I guess, scheming that the Hawks are trying to do to, um, I guess, this this is where it gets back to the team is still learning and developing the system, like Quinn's system on defense. Uh, still getting used to it. And, but it's also the team has just um, given up, uh, or like not given up, but the morale is definitely gone because it's clear we don't have the right tools to maintain that. Yeah. Uh, overall, for me, the, the biggest question in, in general for the Hawks is definitely, definitely that point of attack defense. And the Hawks, you might say, you know, Clint Capella, while he's not what he was in 2021. He still can still could protect the paint okay. Uh, Onyeka Kangwu plus defender, Jalen Johnson at the back line plus defender. You know, why are the Hawks allowing so many point paints? But the but the thing is, when you're giving up so many drives to the lanes as the Hawks are with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young at the point of attack on defense, I think that's that's the biggest thing. You can't expect the bigs uh, to stop to stop guys getting to the paint every single time. And I think a large responsibility that falls onto the guards, which is, uh, in my opinion, the main reason why the backcourt combo of Trey and DeJounte uh, really hasn't worked as well as uh, the, the Hawks front office and really Hawks fans when DeJounte first got here thought. What, I want to go into a little bit of what Quinn Snyder differs from Nate on the defensive end, because you know we talked a little bit about in the intro about the offensive end, but uh, it's it's definitely different than what the Hawks have done in the past. Yeah, it's um, definitely just the how how what's the, how I don't know the words to describe this. How the on ball defender is, I guess, reacting to an on an incoming on ball action, and this is where it gets really like tricky, but we, we, we have to admit that Sadiq, DeJounte, um, Bogey, the, the team is just under-equipped with guys with the reaction time that is like uh, sufficient enough to do what Quinn wants to do. Um, in terms of screen navigation, I think that comes to mind for sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's really difficult when, uh, when now the bigs are are playing so higher up at the level of the screen um because it's it means that if one of those you know guards or not guards one of those perimeter defenders wants to navigate around not only the screen but their teammate that's guarding the screen is uh we're not playing drop coverage so there's not that gap between the the big setting the screen and our big in the paint or 
farther down guarding uh like kind of guarding that action is our bigs right behind them normally yeah Uh, and something i wanted to bring up to you and we've seen with the defense with the center showing instead of dropping which uh, i think that that for this system it works fine but do you think that that the center showing is more setting up for the Hawks preparing for Onyeka Kongwu to take over? Because we know that Clint Capella is probably one of the top five drop bigs in the league. Like in drop coverage, Clint, Clint Capella is probably top five easily. Uh, I mean, you got to give your props to Brooke Lopez and, and guys like that are really good in drop. But like, I, I think that maybe Quinn Snyder in this system is setting up for. Or maybe a, a an eventual Anyeka Kongwu takeover. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, that's a, that's a great point. It's it's it again just comes back to to size. Um, is I mean, it's 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 also just a thing of how the modern NBA is. Is back uh, Nate has like a, you know one criticism that a lot of people had of, with him was his coaching style, his system was not attuned to the modern NBA. And so Quinn has kind of has those concepts that he's able to implement that are attuned to the modern NBA Mm -hmm. Uh, drop coverage, uh, especially, you know, we're Hawks people. We know a lot of uh, our success in the Eastern conference finals run was attacking drop coverage teams. Nowadays, the, the, the talent across the league is, is so there is, it's plentiful uh, guys that can attack drop coverage. So it's just not a viable solution all the time anymore. Especially, especially at the guard position, you know, like we saw, for example, uh, the, the magic last night, the Hawks, Good, definitely could have gotten away with some drop coverage there because they don't really have that many elite scores at that guard position. But when you're going against guys like Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis Alexander, to name a few, like these guys are going to kill drop coverage because they are elite scoring guards, and that's why, uh, like you said, the talent pool for for at the perimeter right now is just at an all time high. All right, so something uh, I, I always say in our pods is we don't start rumors, but once they're out there, we like to talk about them. So um, the trade deadline is looming. Um, there has been a few names out there, DeJounte Murray. Um, actually, every name besides Trey Young and Jalen Johnson, and the Hawks made that public is that everyone is available besides those two players, which they came out with another report saying Kobe Bufkin is also part of that. But, you know, there there is a part of me that thinks that the Hawks are – really, really trying hard to get a deal done and not at the deadline per se, but maybe before. Um, ha- have you heard anything as of lately, Jack? I've, I've, I've heard a lot, Tim. Um, it, it, we're kind of expecting a DeJounte trade so imminently, and that, that's just based on um, – some of the like reports that are come out, but it's also just the morale of the team is the morale of the team. Just uh, we talk about like defensive issues, how like 
how do we know how much of that is maybe we don't have the right players for the system? Um, how much of that is just the team is not connected? Um, because DeJounte, uh, like, as uh, like he's liked posts that have of, of trade rumors with him, he knows, um, he is, uh, you know, he, he is probably not going to be a hawk after the deadline. So, yeah, is our, our, goal i guess for this deadline is to retool and try to get everyone acclimated and really back to this team oriented thing um in time to hopefully make a second part of the season run for the playoffs yeah um i think some hawks fans have de- a lot of hawks fans have really um expressed displeasure with with the front office uh with the ownership group uh, obviously, the salary dumps have been have been a thing lately for the Hawks uh, to get under the luxury tax. Uh, but at this deadline, I think it might be a little bit different because while yes, the Hawks might look to acquire a couple of uh, expiring contracts so they don't have money on the books. The only guy that I think the Hawks should be actively looking or say expecting um, to salary dump would be Clint Capella. Because of his because of the value uh, that has dropped so much, reported by Jake Fisher. I mean, uh, one thing that I expect this year that the Hawks are going to do, do differently is is make a big move. Which, you know, past deadlines we've been very expecting of some sort of move to happen, but this this year seems like it's it's going to happen. Yeah, and I think also like we we've seen rumors where. Um, the Hawks are looking at Quentin Grimes from the New York Knicks, uh, a really good perimeter defender that you could put next to Trey. Um, also a good three-point shooter, spot-up shooter. Um, I, I think the Hawks are also looking at, uh, for a piece that fits a, a part of the puzzle, but also still getting draft capital back, to, uh, for say, for a guy like DeJounte. Um, for the organizational part of this, uh, I mean, it doesn't look great for the Hawks. It really doesn't, because you traded for a guy uh, two uh, two off-seasons ago and DeJounte Murray, and, you know, two off-seasons later at the dead, not even two off-seasons later, one off-season, and you're at the deadline, and you're looking to move him now at this point. But I think that's also a positive thing for Quinn Snyder to recognize that this isn't going to work early instead of trying six different iterations of it and it's still not being successful. But Hawks fans also have to be realistic. Uh, normally when a guy goes on the market a couple times, you're not going to get the same type of return that you that you gave out. Um, so uh, I think for Hawks fans, maybe limit your expectations just a little bit. Uh, back, back to you know what I was saying about the the salary dumping, the the deal for Dejounte really will paint a picture for a lot of Hawks fans of what this team's goals are, because uh, are they, are they looking for that young player that that they can see having a long term role, or are they more focused on draft capital? It it depends on um, who they're going to trade with. Obviously, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, the, the Sixers, and Heat have even been in rumors for Dejounte Murray as well. So depending on what those teams have as far as draft capital and then, you know, fans have their own opinions about the younger players on those teams. It's going to be interesting to see what Landry Fields, Kyle Korver, uh, that front office has in mind. 
Yeah, it's um, like that's that's all facts, and uh, I personally would be very worried if it was very draft capital heavy that we get in return because it pulls us away from the goal of trying to win in the next couple of years, which obviously there's a lot of development we need to have, but at the same time, not going toward going away from winning, it may deter um, Trey Young from wanting to stay here. And I hate to say that, but it's, it's the truth. Trey Young is, is determined to win a championship. Yeah. And for me, like, um, the Hawks have this year's pick that's their own, and they don't have another first round pick until 2028. So for them, like, you have to be really careful on how you maneuver this because of Trey. And I think that if you do get assets back, say, two first-round picks, where I'm just going to throw that out there, that's not what the Hawks are going to get probably, but we'll see. Um, just say they get two first-round picks. Maybe in the offseason, if you do clear up cap space for DeJounte, Clint Capella, or, or maybe got like a DeAndre Hunter, where you clear up a max spot um, or something like that, the Hawks can then flip those picks for a guy that maybe wants out or is on an expiring that is willing to negotiate a deal or, or whatever that may be. Um, I think that uh, for the Hawks, their, their best interest is probably to flip those picks because I don't think you have enough time to to develop more guys up under Trey and him being patient enough. Yeah, the, the timing is key there. Uh with you saying you know, the Hawks don't have a lot of their own draft capital. And if they do draft those players, it would take a good probably two years, three years. And by that time, Trey Young will already be at the end of his contract. So this deadline is going to paint a picture of what the organization's goals are moving forward in the long term, as well as what they are this year. Because, you know, as of recently, the you know, the Hawks have a chance to make it three in a row uh, tomorrow against the Heat. They're at the 10th seed right now in the play-in. So they're, they're still not totally out of trying to make a surprising one of the playoffs. And we've seen them doing once uh, once before. So I don't think they'll necessarily get a lot of players to help them this year. But they'll still want to compete and try to make the play in at least for sure. That's And, and the, the point you guys have both brought up about timing is so key. Because um, even, even if the goal is not to make that run like you were saying, Mikey, uh, you're still going to want to get a head start and be proactive on to, you know, uh, you know, at this deadline, you make some moves and you get to, you retool. You want to see kind of you want to get those guys in. You don't want to wait till the off season or after even to start, you know, getting those guys accustomed to Quinn Snyder's system and running things because you already took so much time of of just the end of last year and you know, really this season to get guys accustomed and you see, Oh wait, now we don't have the right tools. You want to bring guys in um, that, you know, are the right like tools for this team that are going to like help, uh, help win, help be productive. But you also don't want to, you know, even depending on how limited the, the type of types of players you need are, you don't want to wait till, uh, you know, you get the perfect guys. You 
you got to act fast, get, get the right tools. There's plenty of talent in the NBA. And yeah. yeah. Um, that's, you said players that the Hawks need. Uh, and I know, know you've been big Quinn Snyder guy. So what, what types of players would you say you have in mind or Quinn Snyder, or you think Quinn Snyder would have in mind to, to kind of mesh with what the organization wants to do and with what he wants to do? Yes. Um, the name y'all brought up earlier, Quentin Grimes, uh, he absolutely that, uh, mm. absolutely that type of player is a guy you can rely on to stop the ball. Um, uh, and a guy that is also going to can function as a moving shooter. Um, that is exactly what you need next to Trey. Um, not necessarily another ball handler because you have Jalen now to function mm-hmm. around that. But also I would think the Hawks need to look towards some bigger defensive minded wing um, or a true seven footer, because there is going to be times where um, if, if the goal is to be, um, you know, starting on Yeka, you're going to need kind of the uh, backup option of, you know, just pure size. And and let's not forget about the Muhammad Gay, which uh, still the Hawks have not been able to roll out because of injuries. But they they think very highly of him, and he, he you know he's a guy that can come in and that you already have and can kind of be a productive and reliable player for the Quinn Snyder system. All right. So I think that Mo Mo had an injury update today. Um, he uh, he's actually moving to becoming a full participant uh, in in workouts now instead of being limited, which which is really good for the Hawks. And, um, and you know, I, I love to see uh, Mo, you know, work his way back and, and maybe get a few games in at College Park. And I, I, I'd really like to see him play some games with Kobe Bufkin. Uh, Kobe Bufkin has looked wonderful in, in College Park, and I hope to see him soon. Um, now something I want to ask you about bogey bogey has been, uh, I don't even know if you want to call it a slump, but it's been quite big as of lately. Um, he's been struggling from the field and all of it has been since Jalen Johnson has been back. Um, do you, have you noticed anything particular that, um, would, would cause this possibly? Uh, one one thing you can point towards is just he was playing FIBA this summer. Uh, he was like kind of going through a full I mean, training camp and very, you know, it's much more physical. Uh, you know, the European basketball or international basketball is much more physical and kind of grit and grind than NBA basketball. And though it, it, he had an amazing start to the season um, because he was already in that rhythm, but it's just the wear of, and tear of that. All right. So I wanted to bring up a little bit of numbers for you. So in December, Bogey was shooting uh, 10 attempts per game at 36%. In November, he was shooting eight at 39%. Normally, Bogey is around a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, I mean, it's well known. Um, 
In January, he is only averaging seven attempts at 31%. And something I wanted to know, and for me, like we, we as you talked about FIBA, um, and, and Bogey has knee issues. We, we all know this. So um, do you think the Hawks may be playing him as much as they did in December is now affecting him in January because his minutes have went down from 31 to 25. And also that is, you know, kind of something that we seen with DeAndre Hunter right before he went out with knee inflammation. Yeah, that's kind of coinciding uh, with Jalen coming back with the, you know, that, the decreased minutes for sure. I mean, it it also just could be the Hawks are clearly trying to prioritize the the time that Trey and Jalen are on the floor together. And um, though we didn't have Jalen a couple of years ago, when um, in Trey minutes, when you play Trey and Bogey together, Bogey tends to function as more of just a catch and shoot guy rather than a lot of his attempts in uh, December when he's getting those high volume attempts, a lot of them, he's taking his own initiative to create that shot or just taking tougher shots. Um, that's why you see him run a lot with DeJounte um, is because with Trey, the, the ball's not getting in his hands as much to, um, I guess, create offense, which he's absolutely capable of. And um it's it's a matter of efficiently using your players, I think, from the Hawks' end. Yep, and Jay, it's weird because we, we pointed out early on early on the show that Jalen and Trey are really only got the only guys consistently attacking the rim, uh, other than the bigs, of course. But um, Jalen, when Jalen was out, Bogey did a lot more attacking the rim, or it, fe- it seems like he did. Now. I wonder. I wonder if that's just caused a little bit of the shooting slump because don't don't forget, Bogey was shooting almost fifty percent from three for all for almost a month. It was at least two and a half weeks, three weeks. He was hitting everything, and he had a string of six twenty point games in a row in uh, across December when Jalen was out. But after that stretch, he's just slowed down a little bit from that three point line. But I wonder, if, you know, him expending that energy similar to with Sadiq's shooting slump. Him going, both of them going to the rim much more, much more without Jalen, uh, has done a little bit to decrease their shooting from the outside. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also when a guy has has a, has a stretch like that, especially coming off the bench, uh, other teams are are going to start to take notice. Uh, they've been running him off the line too, though yeah. he's not getting been getting all the way to the basket. He has had to catch the ball, and the only decision he has to make is is drive or jab step and then you know he kind of um just passes from there but it's it's a lot of him attacking the middle you know there's uh his float his floater ish game he's been getting to a bit but it's more of teams also probably running him off the line yeah, and something I've seen too, and I wanted to save my point kind of towards the end, and Jack, you touched on it a little bit, is Jalen and Trey matching minutes. Um, if you watch them during the game, they check out at the exact same time. They check back in at the exact same time. And 
there is a reason behind that. And I think that's Quinn Snyder and his staff saying, we're going to prioritize having Jalen and Trey on the floor at the same time so that they can mesh and make sure that they have down what they want to do uh, to a T. And uh, I think that's, you know, for the Hawks' sake is a good thing. Um, It's probably not the best thing for winning, but for development and chemistry, I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, and and this this just then goes back to, I guess the point of those those Trey and Jalen minutes and the times that we've seen Bogey come on the court with them is almost every time that those three are on the court together, Garrison Matthews is also in uh, for just the pure aspect of having another shooter because when defenses take away the Trey and Jalen um, pick and roll or short roll game with that, and then the ball gets to bogey. Almost never is he getting an open shot up is he's quickly forced to pass. And it's Garrison Matthews, the one that's having that open three. Um, and I think kind of maybe Quinn has realized that having bogey out there with them is not an effective use of his minutes because he's, he can't, he's not does like, you know, you're not going to prioritize Bogey running the offense over Trey and Jalen together. So it's kind of he's just standing there ready to do what he needs, but it's not shot attempts that he's getting. Yeah, and you you mentioned Garrison Matthews playing a little bit more now in the rotation. And we talked about this a little bit after last night's game, but I wanted to ask you, Jack, because Trent Forrest ha- had been in the rotation for a good a good two weeks um, at coming in with Bogey uh, at the at the t- at the same time playing about you know maybe thirteen to fifteen minutes a night, but he didn't play last night. Do you think in large part that was due to the Magic not having that elite scoring guard, or do you think that it was more due to Onyeka and Clint uh, kind of going the Quint's not going with those two big lot the two bigs uh, at the same time, and do you think this will be a decision that uh, Quinn keeps moving forward? I I think it's just really matchup dependent is that it's tough to play Trent Forrest when the Magic have, uh, you know, their their defense has been so under like appreciated this season. They're a fantastic defensive team. And, you know, Trent Forrest, it feels like his minutes are kind of just, you know, he is so familiar with Quinn Snyder's system uh, or, or what tr- Quinn is trying to do from his Utah days that you, you bring him in with bogey because you know he can kind of generate with that. With the Magic having the length and also just kind of, you know, also they had lots of control of the paint that game. Trent Forrest can't bring you a ton of offensive value there. You need to play Garrison Matthews to get that spacing. Yeah. So, so you'd think that Trent Forrest probably does come back into the rotation at some point against, let's say yeah. like the, the Cavs, for example, Darius Garland may be on his way back soon, but uh, the Cavs set to have Donovan Mitchell uh, when the Hawks face them on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would assume, I would assume to see Trent Forrest or I, I mean, every game it's, it's, we've seen a bit of both of them. But I, I would assume, you know, Trent Forrest has recently, like, uh, like you were saying, kind of had 
more of those minutes coming in with bogey. Um, I expect to see that more because then what they do is they run uh, DeJounte, Trent, and Bogey together. Um, where again, Garrison has not really like played with that unit, it, if that makes sense. It's uh, Garrison's coming in with Trey and Jalen, um, sometimes Bogey with all of them to give and you know, give them that ideal spacing, but um. Yeah, Trent just for Trent uh Trent Trent functions better a bit next to DeJounte and Bogey rather than, you know, uh needing to be that guy that's gonna hit an open shot with uh Trey Jalen and Bogey in. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Jack. Um I want you to go ahead and plug yourself. Uh let everybody out there know where they can find your work because I love watching it myself. So uh go ahead and plug yourself. Oh, thank you, Tim. Yeah. Um, so definitely the the hub right now is is uh youtube.com slash uh hawksology. Uh that's where most of my content is, YouTube. Um you can also follow me on Twitter. Um, at Jack underscore Tresh. Um, Hawksology does have an Instagram page. I haven't been able to do much with it. You can check that out too. Um, and yeah, that's, that's go check it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, def- definitely be sure to check out Hawksology and Jack. Thanks again for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Mikey, thank you for having me on, man. This was, this was lots of fun. We had some actually excellent uh conversation today and um man yeah thank you guys yeah for sure and that'll do it for this episode of the sports ethos atlanta hawks podcast make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content like spotify apple Podcasts, and more you can follow me on x at pinwizard 300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.